Hey everyone, my name is Adam Barfoot and welcome to episode 40 of the Counseling and Functional Fitness Podcast. I am a mental health therapist and I'm also a CrossFit Level 2 trainer. The Counseling and Functional Fitness Podcast focuses on the integration of mental health and fitness. In this episode, I talk with Dr. Blake Huddleston about purpose, how the past can impact the present, helping athletes restore confidence and mentally recover after injuries, how facing challenges in fitness can help us face challenges in life, self-talk, the role of visualization in goal setting, relative intensity, making the most of your new normal, finding your new 100%, and the power of identity in mental health and fitness. If you have been enjoying this podcast, please take a moment to leave a rating and review. I'd greatly appreciate that. I am a licensed professional counselor working in private practice at New Beginnings Counseling Center in Chattanooga, Tennessee. I meet with clients in person there and people anywhere in Tennessee via telehealth. I enjoy helping my clients build resilience, hope, encourage in their lives. I work with adults and teenagers who are seeking to improve their responses to stress and anxiety, as well as ways of working through life's challenges. My specialties include helping people improve their emotional intelligence, helping people strengthen their recovery from addiction, and working with athletes who are looking to improve their performance. Improving our mental health directly affects our performance, whether we are on the sports field, in the gym, at home, or our workplace. I believe that you are capable of great things, and I would be honored to be a part of your journey of healing and growth. If you would like to meet with me for therapy, you can follow the link to my Psychology Today profile, which is in the description of this podcast episode, and you can click the Email Me button on that website to ask any questions you have about how I can help you on your journey or to schedule a therapy session with me. All right, Dr. Blake Huddleston, welcome to the Counseling and Functional Fitness Podcast, and thank you for taking the time to come on today. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Happy Friday. Well, let's dive right in. Tell us a bit about yourself and what it is that you do. Sure. Um, So I'm Blake Huddleston. Um, I am a physical therapist, and I'm also the owner of Volunteer Physical Therapy and Performance. I know that's a mouthful, but... Um, the clinic specializes in athletes and active adults. Um, so we work with a lot of CrossFit athletes, a lot of functional fitness athletes, so your boot campers, your, you know, your fitness athletes. We work with bodybuilders, powerlifters, you name it, probably worked with it. Um, so that's what my clinic does. I have another employee, um, Dr. Rachel, who does sports medicine similar to me, but she also uh, does pelvic floor and women's health and pregnancy and stuff which is pretty cool. So um, that's a little about the clinic. Uh, we're based in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, which is about a half hour outside of Nashville. Nashville. Um, our clinic is located inside a private personal training facility. So um, that's where we're at now, actually. Um, so the clinic's in the front. We got the 3,000 square foot gym area in the back, and that is where we take our people and get to work, help them get out of pain and stay in the gym or on the court or the field or whatever their activity is basically to keep them out of pain and allow them to do what they love. So mm-hmm. it's a little bit about the clinic. Um, I grew up in Murfreesboro, so it has a special place in my heart. Um, it's with my community for my 30 years. So I'm excited and uh, proud to be able to give back to that same community that gave so much to me growing up. Mm. So from listening to some other podcasts that you were on, it seems that being a business owner is something that you hold very dear and is really special to you. So my question is what makes volunteer physical therapy and performance stand out? It's the service. Um, So if you've listened to the other podcasts, which you have, um, I usually talk about how my faith in God and my, you know, my faith is really strong and kind of drives what I do. And so Part of that is, you know, in the Bible, as a Christian, I'm commanded to be a servant. 
Um, and growing up, I thought being a servant meant you had to be a preacher or a missionary or, you know, go overseas and something like that. Um, but I found out in my adult age and as I was in school and stuff that, that, uh, God can put you on a mission field in a different, like it doesn't have to be a ministry, a normal ministry per se, if that makes sense. So I don't have to be a pastor. I don't have to be a a music leader at a church. I don't have to be a missionary or something like, or a teacher at a Christian Mm -hmm. school. I don't have to be that. I can be a Christian physical therapist. Mm -hmm. I can have a ministry inside my physical therapy practice. So within that service is big to me um, because Jesus commanded me to be a servant because he was a servant and to give of myself to others. So um, that's kind of the basis of everything that I do kind of stems from that. And and what it turns into is how can I serve the person in front of me, and and that looks like a lot of different things, you know. Um, so for a client, it's how can I serve them, you know, and get them back to doing what they love, or what resource can I provide to them, whether it's counseling, whether it's mm-hmm. chiropractic care, whether it's massage, whether it's a referral to primary care. I even referred someone to a dentist yesterday. <laughs> um, so you just don't ever know. But it, it kind of breaks down to how can I serve the person in front of me to get them where they need to go. And and that is something that you probably won't find in most mm. corporate settings, um, no matter what they are. But even corporate physical therapy, um, not that the, the physical therapist there can't provide good care. But since this is my business, mm. I get to dictate what that looks like. And to me, that's what it looks like is service. So service to my community, service to the people who are in front of me. And and that kind of drives my care, um, which allows me to, I guess, set myself apart because you're going to get an experience here that you can't find anywhere else. But it's kind of comes back to the servant, the servanthood of it, if that made sense. It does make sense. Great. Well, and part of it, too, sounds like service is really important to you and that's because of your purpose yes so there's a quote that i really like that says i don't know who it's from i wish i did it's probably me (laughs) (laughs) but the quote is your vocation is where your greatest strength meets the world's greatest need and i think that's that could be really true for both of us for me being a mental health therapist and for you being a physical therapist with we've found our strengths and we're utilizing those strengths to help other people and purpose is something i've been thinking a lot about and recently and that's something that i've come to about my purpose is using my strengths to help the people that i'm able to help yes that's i actually just had this conversation not but an hour ago Mm. um which is funny that it's come up again seems to be a theme today Mm -hmm. um but my purpose is what is what makes me well a this is my business so obviously i'm going to want to make it the best but behind that is my purpose of helping others and so what the conversation was was that god blessed me with gifts that that he didn't bless other people with um not that i'm that's you know that's not bragging it's just how it is right Right. we we have a gift and we found we found that gift and for some people it's a gift of music for some people it's a gift of um, communication or some people are you know set up to be pastors and stuff like that some people are set up to be a mental health therapist some mm-hmm. people are set up to be a physical therapist right. so we utilize our strengths and we found how to take what what to me is what gifts I was given and then my experiences growing up that shaped kind of who I am and they all came together mm-hmm. to make me be a you know, be a good business owner and a good practitioner mm. and, and some of its skills and things that you can't teach because it's just something you were, you just have or developed over time. No one taught me to be, you know, like nice to people. Mm. I mean, I guess my parents did, mm. you know, like be kind. Right. Mm. But like no one taught me how to, how to connect with people. I guess that was mm. something I developed over time. No one taught mm. me how to, you know, be really good at helping people with exercise. It just became a thing. Mm. I mean, I guess school kind of did, but these were skills that just developed, but I, I am, you know, there's people who are athletes. They're better at CrossFit than we are mm-hmm. naturally. Like right. they, they just, they just started <laughs> off better mm-hmm. and will continue to be better. So mm-hmm. that's kind of how I look at this. Like I'm probably better than the average person at mm-hmm. creating a good rehab program. Mm-hmm. But also part of 
um, what you're talking about is my purpose is to help other people. Mm. And that's referring to appropriate people like you. Because mm. I know my strong suit is not mental health counseling. Right. That's not who I am. Mm-hmm. But I know a guy who is, or like my strong suit's not chiropractic or nutrition or personal training, Mm -hmm. but I know people who do that. So that to me is part of the purpose as well as driving people, helping people get to where they need to go, even if that's not with me. Mm -hmm. And that's another, I feel like strength is realizing your weakness. Mm -hmm. So like we talk about our strength being the, you know, giving back to the community or the world's weakness or what they need, their need. But like sometimes our weakness is someone else's strength and so knowing other people who have that strength is really cool to me too so someone like you it's like hey i know that's not my my jam but i know someone send them to you and then Mm -hmm. that's your strength so i think that's cool too is understanding your weakness is is great because then you send to other people who are stronger in that Mm -hmm. and then you show value to your person or you serve them which is back to question one right (laughs) exactly well, and everyone has different strengths, then that's something that helps, well, the world go around, if you will, Yeah, is that not everyone can have the same strength and not everyone has the same weaknesses either. Right. And something that you mentioned about your experiences that have led to who you are now and what you do now, I've been thinking recently about this idea of formation Mm -hmm. and how everyone has been formed in different ways and something that I hope people realize in my work as a mental health therapist is that our formation does not have to define us but it does affect us and this definitely gets into working through helping my clients work through trauma too is that it's important to talk about how the past impacts the present when someone says well I don't really know where to start with what to talk about that is part of trauma therapy especially Mm -hmm. talking about how the past impacts the present so that the past doesn't impact the future as much as it has up to this point in the present I love that Mm -hmm. it's great um, and it does. I mean, people who say their past doesn't affect them, there's no way. Mm. I just, mm. I can't believe that because mm. mine does. But mm. um, my dad always tells me, you can't control other people. You can't control a lot of things. The mm. only thing you can control is how you react and respond to those things. Mm. So talking about formation, it's like, I can't control what happened to me, mm. but I can control how I react mm-hmm. and how that affects me, like you said, in the future. Um and that was a you know I heard him say that a million times growing up but now it's like I get it mm-hmm. like I see it now mm-hmm. <laughs> um, which is good but that's that's a good part about you know your parents having parents that you trust is that they tell you stuff like that when like I'm say I'm 18 and I'm they're ignorant and I know everything at 18 mm-hmm. I think we've all been there <laughs> maybe not but I was like that now I'm 30 and it's like I oh. see it now I get right. it I get what he was trying to say but that that one's always stuck with me so I kind of use that as a as a thought process Mm -hmm. when things do happen like well I can't control that person or that situation or that variable but I can control how I respond to this right now Mm -hmm. and how I respond to this is going to be pivotal to how I move forward with this right well yeah and the the importance of focusing on what you can control and letting go of everything else cannot be overstated no it can't say it again (laughs) I'm just kidding (laughs) And so there's a quote from the, uh, the psychologist Carl Jung, and he says, I am not what happened to me, I am what I choose to become. And that, I think, speaks volumes about, going back to what I was saying just a moment ago about trauma therapy. And, but of course, it's also important to recognize that our, our formation up to this point affects who we are and what we do. But if we want to change how it affects us in the future, we can act on that now. We can do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's so true. Good mm-hmm. point. I love that. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Did that answer your question? Yes, for sure. <laughs> so how do you help the athletes you work with through the mental aspects of recovering from an injury? Um, I have this conversation frequently with my athletes I'm sure you do Um, but I you know I tell them and we we have this conversation usually at the first visit half the battle I say half the battle 
it's probably more mm-hmm. is is confidence in the mental aspect mm-hmm. of returning to your sport so say you know mm-hmm. for example i had someone you know tears their acl we're rehabbing back objectively they are stronger and able to handle what their sport throws at them. But subjectively to them, they still don't trust that mm. body part. Mm. So why is that? Well, it, I can sit there and yell at them like, your tissue is healed, your mm. side-to-side strength is the same, you're able to do all the, all the return to sport tests. Mm. But then it's like, if they're mentally still not trusting in that, are they ready to return? Mm. I think no. Um, not that they won't always deal with a little bit of hesitancy, but when you're talking about like they're afraid to even put weight on it and like a jump and cut, something like that, mm-hmm. that's that's all coming from your brain. I'm mm-hmm. sitting here telling you your tissue is fine. So what is that? Mm-hmm. Or people who come in that have been dealing with you know shoulder or knee pain or whatever for months and months on end, thinking it'll never go away mm-hmm. or they'll never be able to lift this weight again. But that's not true physically, mm-hmm. probably. Um, barring anything crazy but most of the time it's like that's that's what we do is half the battle is restoring their confidence in their body Mm. and telling their brain which is what we talk about a lot too telling your brain that it's okay to move that way again like it is okay for you to lift this way it is okay for you to jump and cut and do all the things for football or whatever it Mm. is Um, so I do have that conversation pretty frequently with them and you know providing them with that confidence is is interesting but it takes you know now I have my approach to it it's a to talk about what like what are you still feeling like you're struggling with mm-hmm. I don't necessarily say what are you afraid of but I say mm-hmm. what movements or what what things right. do you feel like you're still struggling with mm-hmm. uh, this and that okay we have them do those things and something about doing it in a controlled environment mm-hmm. with who they deem a professional whether I think of myself that way or not mm-hmm. I am an authority figure in this area, right. so I've had to kind of be okay with that because you get imposter syndrome still as you go through things. Mm-hmm. Then you remember they don't know anything. Like they don't, they don't. That's why they're here because mm-hmm. they trust you because they know you. You know the stuff. Right. So I have to remind myself of that. But that's a whole other topic. But mm-hmm. um, something about doing it in a controlled environment with someone they think is a professional mm-hmm. or, or you know has some authority in the area. Um, and having them do that thing and making them pushing them outside their comfort zone and making them do that thing and then they do it and they do it again and then they do it again and then all of a sudden it's like see I, to- I told you you could do it mm-hmm. right but that is I mean that's gosh I say that half the battle is an understatement mm-hmm. that's a ton of what we work on is mm-hmm. just confidence and restoring that confidence in their body and, and telling their brain that it is okay to move that way and then they move that way because their body's ready to do it so mm. it's like, okay, what other barrier do we have? It's your mindset and your brain. Mm. And that's a hard thing to overcome. And it, I don't, you know, I used to look at it, it, look at it as an excuse from people. Mm. It's not. It's real to them. Mm. So I have to be mindful of that and be a little empathetic of what, what they're going through in their brain. And it helps that I've dealt with some injuries over the past few years right. as well. So I, I feel it and I get it. Right. Even as a professional in this area, you know, I still feel the same things they feel. Mm. So it's like. I understand it now. Right. So you mentioned the practicing these things in a controlled environment can help. And a another idea or concept I've been thinking about recently is facing challenges in the gym can help us build confidence to face challenges outside of the gym. And not even, well, including but not limited to physical challenges. Yeah. So when... When at the CrossFit gym I coach at, I help an athlete get to a weight that they've never hit before on a lift. They can take that confidence and use it in other areas of their lives. And I really, really like this idea of using the physical confidence that we can gain in the gym and well using that outside of the gym to face difficult life events and challenges and adversity in everyday life too yeah i mean even for me personally there's been times where it's like i'll put something on the bar Mm. and earlier i would have been like you know there's no way i can hit this Mm. i'm probably not going to hit it right 
and then you know as I got more into CrossFit and got more comfortable it was like say it out loud I will hit this lift Mm. I'm gonna hit this lift Mm. and guess what I don't hit it every time Mm -hmm. but like the mindset was different going into it and I hit a lot of numbers that I never thought I would Mm. but it's because it's like I told myself hey you can do this why can't you like why can't you do this Mm. and then you go do it and sometimes you fail and that's fine too because you know you tried like you gave it 100% Mm -hmm. but like Sometimes you hit a number and you're like, holy crap, I never would have dreamed that I would have hit that. But you did it. But why? It's because it changed changed the way I thought about it. Mm. Um, It's like, I I will hit this lift. I'm going to hit this lift. Mm. And, you know, like I said, as I've gotten a little further into the career, sometimes that, it used to work a lot more. Mm. Now it's like PRs (laughs) get a little more few and far between. But hey, I still say it and try it. And some days it works and some days it doesn't. But it's like, I tried. Um, Mm. And then you can look at your outside things from the gym as well like oh that looks really harder oh i never thought i I never thought i would own a business but here i am doing it so it's like i never thought i'd hit this revenue goal Mm -hmm. or i never thought i'd hire a new new physical therapist or whatever you name it but then it's like i will do that Mm -hmm. why why can't that be me Mm -hmm. and now it is me Mm -hmm. so that that what you said there at the end why can't this be me and now this is me that idea against that something else I wanted to explore with you in our conversation so against that the the power of identity in athletics and sport performance but also in life performance so we and it connects with what you were talking about with talking to yourself about oh I can't hit this well then I probably won't but with so it connects with self-talk too but it's the idea of I am the kind of person who fill in the blank. And so often we tell ourselves, I can't fill in the blank, whatever it is. But I think it would be super powerful if more people started telling themselves when they want to do something or get into something such as owning their own business or something like that, starting to tell themselves, I am the kind of person who does that thing. Mm-hmm. And I am the kind of person who PRs this lift, or I am the kind of person who graduates school with whatever GPA, and I am the kind of person who can own a business and those kinds of things. Yeah. Um, I didn't know there was like actual science behind that. That was just mm-hmm. something that I did. But yeah, that's good to know that, that I'm not just making things up. Right. Um, I kind of, when I started my business, um, it, it kind of happened haphazardly I guess for lack of a better word but I wasn't planning on doing it mm. um, but within like a week of me thinking about it and making the decision to go for it it was about five days mm. so I didn't have time to plan I didn't have time which I think for me was good because it didn't give me time to like develop reasons not to do it mm-hmm. um, so I just kind of went for it right. and I've kind of always lived life that way my parents always say by the seat of my pants but mm-hmm. sometimes that's good because it's like I didn't ha- it was all courage there was no fear mm-hmm. like it was just like I had all the courage and no fear mm-hmm. then I started and I was like what did I just do but it's right. like okay well I'm already here now right. um, and I think that first hurdle was was great but what the conversation was leading up to it was when I was thinking about it I brought it up to my now wife mm-hmm. and my parents at the time um, all people I trust, so it's you know people I can talk to to expect an honest opinion, like to say yes or no, that's dumb or that's great, whatever. And and they told me um, all of them. I expected some pushback of some sort, some negative response. Mm-hmm. You know, you said expectations going into it, and when I brought it up, they were all like, "Yeah, that sounds great. Like, why not you?" And I was like, mm-hmm. "Yeah, why not me?" Mm-hmm. And then I did it. So mm-hmm. that conversation came full circle but that that's how the business started was uh, with a why not me moment like mm-hmm. why can't that be me mm-hmm. and um, then it became that will be me right or that is me yeah right so i like that good stuff and now we're here in your yes office. now we're here and it <laughs> so, is still me so something about that is that something about what you were just saying so when i right before I started this podcast i, I started in it well i put out the first episode in october 2020 mm-hmm. and the my plan for me was to write a book about the integration of mental health and fitness and I started working on that and but I thought in the meantime how about I start a podcast and here we are over two and a half years later from that point and this is going to be episode 40 
started so, my I started my business in November 2020. So oh, we were, we were okay. kicking it right around nice, the same time nice. there. So I asked myself the question of okay, I don't see anyone truly talking about or talking about the true integration of mental health and fitness. There's a lot of people talking about mental health and counseling podcasts, those kinds of things. There's a ton of fitness podcasts. And there are a lot of fitness people talking about mindset and things like that, which is the really the closest I've seen to someone really doing what I'm doing with this podcast about talking about what are the, basically, what are the common factors between improving our mental health and improving our fitness? And right before I started the podcast, I, and also I, I put out the first episode a week after having the idea. Nice. Love <laughs> and, it. But I asked myself, why not me? Yeah. Um, one thing I've started to incorporate a little bit, we call it, I mean, what it is in here is a sales process, mm -hmm. but I don't want to call it that because mm -hmm. it is like I have to make sales to live, but right. the process is more of a goal setting session. Mm -hmm. um, and it's part of like, it's part of making the sale, but I'm selling a plan of care. They're just paying me for it. If that mm -hmm. makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, and one thing I've started to incorporate is like, the word imagine and I know now that there's research and that's there's some psychology behind that word mm -hmm. but like having people you know part of the process that I do is I draw it on this board that's you you guys can't see it but we can both see it mm -hmm. but I draw it on this board here and it's like a goal mountain of mm -hmm. like this is where you can be in two weeks this is where you can be in two months and this is where you can be after a lifetime of this basically mm -hmm. um, but it's it, you know having them imagine or like picture even which I think is what happens when you say the word imagine, people mm -hmm. start to picture that in their mind, mm -hmm. what that success looks like to them and setting those goals and then having them imagine or visualize that. And again, now I know there's like, there's actual science behind that right. and, and there's, that's an actual thing, but um, I just picked it up from someone else who probably picked it up from someone smarter than me mm -hmm. and started utilizing that. And that's been a game changer for people because they do start to like right then at the moment, a lot of them seem like what they're imagining is just a future full of shoulder pain or mm -hmm. whatever. Right. Then it's like, okay, what if I told you just, what if I told you you could get rid of your shoulder pain and then get back to this and then imagine you hitting this PR lift or imagine you running this 5k or whatever their goal mm -hmm. is. Then all of a sudden they're like, yeah, that sounds really cool. And I'm like, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. We can get you there. And then it's like they've visualized it and then we make right. it happen. So right. that's cool. Well, that's kind of all of that. Right. And a big part of visualization, I think, is I really like the word imagine with it too. And it's very can – I think those words can be very interchangeable. But also I think – imagine can be more easily accessible to people who might not pick up on the or might not buy into visualization although it can be super powerful but connecting this with self-talk something that i think can be really powerful with visualization is just as when you make the goal mountain with these people well with your your athletes that they can imagine or visualize it happening, but it, I think it's also the power of asking where we could be in the future and what we're willing to do to get to that place. Also, the power of right now I'm not where I'm at, but I can imagine or visualize myself being there in the future. So, but again, back to the self-talk, it's I'm not there yet, but I can visualize and or imagine how I could get there. Yeah. And then it's too, like imagine getting there, doing that. How would that make you feel? Mm. You feel freaking awesome. Mm. It, it does. Right. And so, for example, I had a guy, had a knee replacement. Mm -hmm. I don't do a ton of post-op stuff because mm. I'm just not really set up for it mm. as far as the early stages. But he was like, he'd already had one done. Mm -hmm. He met his other PT at the bigger clinic in town, no name dropping, I guess, but, um, and he's like, I met my PT and she had the personality of a wall. Mm. He's like, would you be willing to take this on? And I'm like, hundred mm. percent, let's do it. Um, and you know, usually typically the first, I got, I saw him the day after his surgery. He came wow. in here the day after wow. coked up on oxy. <laughs> I should, I shouldn't say coked up cause that's a different substance, but he was he was feeling good, right. which is great because <laughs> he came in here and we were able to do some stuff. Right. We were on the leg press day one. Now it was empty, mm -hmm. but still, I mean, that's, you know, they would have been doing like range of motion work there. Mm -hmm. So since I'm not 
convincing insurance that range of motion is that important because mm-hmm. no one, insurance doesn't pay me. That wasn't one of our goals. Mm-hmm. One of his goals, his midterm goal, uh, was to do MRF. Mm-hmm. Com- just do MRF. Like no, no restrictions, no, mm-hmm. no scaling. He didn't wear a vest, but just to do MRF mm-hmm. as it is. And I was like, this was in November of last year. Wow. I'm like, 100% we can do that. Let's do that. Like uh-huh. that is a great goal. Uh, he sent me a text. So that has not been that long ago. Mm-hmm. Hey, finish Murph today. He's like, it took me 69 minutes, mm. but I did it. No, no restrictions, no scaling. Mm. Um, he's like, I didn't wear a vest, but I did full on, ran the mile both ways. That's like amazing. he did the whole thing. And I was like, that is what we imagined, mm. what, eight months ago or whatever. Mm. And you did it. Mm. And he felt awesome about it. And I felt awesome about it because it's mm. like I had a part of that. Now, a lot of it was his hard work, but I had a part in that. Mm-hmm. And we set that goal and we got to it. So he mm-hmm. felt good about it. I felt good about it. But that's part of, again, the process is like we, we visualized that. We made it happen mm-hmm. because we worked hard at it. And I, I just love that's my favorite story recently of like overcoming something because the knee replacement is hard. And he we had a lot of challenges along the way, but he took them all on, right. on the chin and just kept pushing through and. Uh, pretty much after Christmas, New Year's, that abyss of two weeks there, mm. came back in in January and was just absolutely a new man. I don't mm. know what happened, but he was mm. crushing it, and we were just like, time to cruise into Murph here, mm. and we did. So that was that was a lot of fun. So I want to provide some context because that I'm mind blown by that because that is amazing. So Murph is the hero CrossFit workout that. The workout in entirety is a one-mile run, 100 pull-ups, 200 push-ups, 300 air squats, and then a another one-mile run. So that is a gigantic feat. Yeah. That's amazing. That's a gigantic feat for a healthy exactly. individual anyway. I mean, exactly. that's a lot of work, but for him to do it hmm. in almost an hour, like a little over an hour. Right. Yeah, it's not the fastest. He's not. He didn't set a sure. world record, but yeah. holy crap, he did it, mm. and it didn't take him a whole day. Like mm. it, it took him a little over an hour. So I was <laughs> honestly, when he sent me that, I was shocked. That's amazing, um, but in a good way. So, right. and he's you know he's in his fifties. Like this isn't a young man either, and he's mm. got two bionic knees now. So maybe that helped him on the run. I don't mm. know, but um, <laughs> it was that that was like I said in recent memory. Mm. That's that's been one of my favorite comeback stories, I guess. Mm. So we are, we, let's go ahead and go to the the last question. Mm -hmm. There'll be plenty there for us to talk about. What are the biggest lessons you've learned through fitness in your work and your own fitness? Well, I liked what we talked about this earlier, but just consistency. Mm. Um, My... My routine looks different now than it did a few years ago. Mm. Um, And that's something I've just had to become okay with. When I started CrossFit in 20... So I grew grew up playing sports. Mm -hmm. All I did was chase the ball all year long. I was was playing ball, basketball, soccer, whatever. It didn't matter. Mm -hmm. Um, All the way through high school. You know, so typical typical stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, Got to college. Did not decide to pursue any athletics except like I did some intramurals and play pickup basketball and stuff, but I didn't decide to, to pick, you know, continue into college. And so, um, basically for those few years, you know, I was 18, 19, 20, 21, that age, you know, I did some fitness stuff, but I I didn't really get into like lifting or mm-hmm. I didn't really have a history or background in that from high school. We just didn't have the resources. And so I, I didn't know much about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I did notice is that I'm not playing sports anymore and I'm still eating like an 18 year old high school mm-hmm. athlete. And that's mm-hmm. not who I am anymore. <laughs> um, so I started to, to pack on weight. And um, when I was 21, this is not a good thing, but um I worked at Chick-fil-A for a few years there and got free food. And then I also got introduced to Miller Lite, which was mm-hmm. dangerous combo. <laughs> um, so that, that was, you know, and you, like I said, I'm not, I'm not really doing much outside of, in the gym or anything. Mm-hmm. So that was a transition. I got into exercise science program. And as I started to get into my actual major courses and outside of the garbage that they do for the first two years of like history and English and stuff that I'd literally just taken in high school, wasting my time. That's a whole nother story too. Um, 
you know, in, in learning a little more about exercise science and, and fitness and exercise physiology and nutrition. And, and, you know, you learn enough to be dangerous, but I was super interested in it. Mm-hmm. And my GPA went from a 3.2, I think, to a 3.8 uh, and 9, which brought me up to like a 3.5 when I graduated. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my, my major courses, I was crushing them. But it's mm-hmm. like, this is stuff I'm interested in. Like, I'm actually, I'm like, and college was easy for me. Um, so like I didn't have to study a lot, but then when I started to get in that, I studied a lot cause I liked it mm. not because I had to. Mm. So that was cool. So then I'm like, okay, wondering what, what do I want to do with my career? And I kind of had an idea that I wanted to do something rehab related, but that was really what solidified. Like I really want to go into fitness, health mm. and wellness, physical therapy, that type of stuff. Mm. And I'd kind of had that plan anyway, but that really, really secured it. And so I'm like, well, looking at myself, I wasn't super overweight, but like I had a little bit of a, of a gut mm-hmm. and you know, I didn't, you know, I wasn't working out and I'm like, I'm in this exercise science program. There's people around me that are in great shape. Like, what are they doing? Why am I not doing that? That kind of stuff. You start to like compare, which is not, this is a dangerous game, but it's like, these are, these are going to be my colleagues in the future. And like, right. you know, people are going to come to me for, for care and stuff what are they going to see if they see someone who's maybe not in the best shape? Mm. Are they going to listen to me? Cause mm. I wouldn't like, it's like a, your doctor telling you to stop smoking. And then when you leave, he's in the parking lot smoking. Like, right. well, if, why would I stop? Like, I'm not going right. to stop. And that's funny. Cause right. that's based on a true story. Mm. No one told me to stop smoking, but I had a, a PCP who I saw outside smoking. And I was like, why would I listen to you? <laughs> or like seeing the nursing staff right. smoking. It's like, really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like, and that's like, they're, they're adults they sure. can make their own decisions sure. but like you're sitting here telling me to actively not do these things right. and you're doing these things right so I'm like I don't want to be that guy mm-hmm. I, I want to practice what I preach so that's mm-hmm. when I really got into mm-hmm. fitness mm-hmm. that was about 2013 14 maybe mm-hmm. so I got into bodybuilding you know lifting weights all that stuff learning good form and blah 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 all that all that great stuff mm-hmm. started eating a little better cleaning up my diet uh, cut off the Miller Lite a little bit which was probably the best thing um, and then when I got to PT school, uh, one of my classmates owned a CrossFit gym in Nashville and never done CrossFit, heard a lot of bad things. Cause there's, there was a, still is but not as bad, but there was the mm-hmm. stigma of like, Oh, it's dangerous. You're right. going to tear your joints off, whatever. Right. Right. I didn't, I didn't subscribe to that. Like I didn't, I didn't feel like that was true. Mm-hmm. I didn't know enough about it to have a, to have an opinion. So mm-hmm. I'm pretty, uh, I allow myself to be pretty non-biased until I try something mm-hmm. because I don't know. That's just how I am. So uh, he invited me to a class. And I was like, yeah, I'll try it. It's, mm-hmm. It sounds fun. So I did one class. Uh, tried it out. It was great. Loved it. Almost like fell in love with it. Seriously. Mm-hmm. First mm-hmm. day I was like, this is so, like that's what I'd been searching for mm-hmm. because it reminded me of high school sports. There's mm-hmm. the community aspect. Mm-hmm. There's the people pushing you, the accountability aspect in that regard. Right. Plus there was new lifts that I didn't, like I didn't never front squatted in my life. Never done a clean or a snatch. Never done any of this, a jerk. Like, never done any of that stuff. Mm. And seeing people do those movements and seeing how athletic that movement was, mm-hmm. like, I want that. Because as an athlete, you always wanted to be working at something. Mm. So bodybuilding-type workouts had gotten boring for me because I was kind of just doing the same thing over and over. Then I get to this, and A, the programming's written for me, so I don't have to do it on my own, right. which was awesome. Right. But B, it's like this whole new world of all these new skills that I have no idea how to do. Because mm. it's not just the lifting. There's also like double unders and handstand push-ups and Lots of learning. kipping and bu- muscle-ups and mm. all this stuff. I'm like, mm. there's so much stuff that I can learn. Right. As, so, and as we talked about in exercise science, I got better grades because I love to learn about that stuff. Mm. So it's like I'm loving this because there's so much for me to learn. Mm. Cause I love that. I love learning. So mm-hmm. it's like, I'm going to eat that up. Mm-hmm. So I did eat that up. So 2017 started by 2019. I was in the best physical shape that I have ever been in, in my life. Mm-hmm. I was a specimen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I loved, I was into CrossFit. I was doing two days, most days, like just absolutely crushing it. Loved it so much. And then 2020 comes around COVID ruins everything. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows that. Um, so I gained a little more weight. I didn't get super out of shape. I was working out at home, but I lost that 2019 me. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I'm in a new stage of life now. I'm engaged. I'm going to get married. Um, you know, I started my own business. I'm working full time mm-hmm. as an adult. 
So my routine went from being in PT school and being able to go to CrossFit twice a day, five or six days a week, mm-hmm. to now, you know, I'm lucky to get four or five days in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, usually four days, sometimes five, which is still good, but it's like, it's not who I was. So I've had to, you know, learn to be okay. I guess all of that mm-hmm. story was to say, mm-hmm. I have learned to be okay with what stage of life I'm in mm-hmm. and adapting my fitness around that. Mm-hmm. And knowing that, okay, I might not be working out two days, six days a week, but I'm doing what I can and I'm still taking care of my body. Mm. And then as I've gotten older, focusing on recovery, because I have dealt with some pain as Mm. well, shoulder, knee stuff um, that I wasn't dealing with back then. And it's like, you know, you kind of learn to deal with that and just Mm. being okay with, I guess, what season I'm in um, and just kind of rolling with the punches with fitness because sometimes you can be really into it and sometimes you got to back off a little bit because of whatever reason maybe it's life maybe it's an injury Um, but I think that's allowed me to be empathetic with where people are at in here Mm. and understand where they're at Mm. Um, and then also learning to be okay with like like maybe you don't do CrossFit today maybe you do stay here and lift some weights or maybe you go play golf with your friends Mm. or maybe you get out on the kayak and go fish and knowing like that, that's okay that's that's right. still fitness you're still doing something because i used to be like oh i didn't do crossfit today i'm gonna die mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's that probably a little unhealthy but i loved it and mm-hmm. i still love it but yeah. i've learned to have a better relationship with it so um and just being okay with like missing a day or like choosing a different fitness activity mm-hmm. and finding things i enjoy and doing those so i guess lesson one is being okay with what season of life you're in Mm -hmm. and lesson two is find what you love Mm. because you'll stick to it Mm. and I think that was what I struggled with with bodybuilding and stuff is I just didn't love it like Mm. I enjoyed it but I I didn't love it I love CrossFit I love golf actually Mm. I hate it I'm lying but I do love spending time with my friends (laughs) Uh, that's recent I've started golfing recently and that's a physical activity it's hard Mm -hmm. Um, I love pickup basketball I love you know playing soccer in the yard with my eight-year-old nephew now like Mm. um but just being okay with the season of life of like it's okay if you didn't do crossfit do something else right get out on the kayak and ride around go fish whatever Mm. so that's that's been a fun realization as as i get older it's it doesn't have to be crossfit all the time you can Mm. do different things yeah and what you said about your the season that you're in right now it's so two a lot stands out about what you just said but two main things stand out to me about one is make the most of your new normal and this really what you're talking about is what I like to call the well your new 100% about it's well it's really the CrossFit concept of relative intensity of what can I do not compared to what I did five, 10, however many years ago, but what is the best that I can do today? And that's both making the most of my new normal, again, whatever season I'm in right now, <clears throat> as well as my new 100%. And that really applies to all different kinds of areas, but especially I'm sure in your work with people after, well, recovering from injuries. Yeah. Yeah, it's a we you know conversation. I have a lot again. This is not permanent, mm. like you know the, the cliche. This too shall pass, but it's mm-hmm. true. Mm-hmm. You know, people think they have to be stuck like that for a really long time. And mm-hmm. I think having that goal setting session that we talked about earlier really helps. Uh, part of it is the timeline, and it really right. helps put a perspective on. Oh, that's not that long. Mm-hmm. Like that's not that long of an amount of time. Mm-hmm. And just helping them know, like this is this is just where we're at now. But you don't have to be there. You don't have to stay there. Mm. Like you said, this is your 100% right now. Mm. And we're going to give it our all. But Mm. as we progress through this, you're going to get better. Mm. You just have to, as the kids say, trust the process. Mm -hmm. But it's so true. I'm like, you just got to trust me and trust that what you're doing is going to help. And don't get discouraged. I know it's easy to get discouraged. And again, that's where we talk about the mental aspect Mm -hmm. of this is people do get discouraged because... A picture I like to draw on the board too is like a jagged mountain roller coaster looking thing mm-hmm. um, and pointing out and saying that's the day-to-day of right. rehab and really life but mm-hmm. putting it in the perspective of what I do mm-hmm. this is what your rehab is probably gonna look like mm-hmm. you're gonna have good days you're gonna have great days you're gonna have bad days and the same goes for training mm-hmm. as well mm-hmm. but 
just but then what I do is I put an upward angle to it and I'm like this is the day-to-day stuff but what we should notice over the weeks and months is an upward trend Mm. right and it's not going to be a super steep one it's not like a 90 degree angle but we're we're day-to-day stuff you're going to go up and down right and you're going to have good days and bad days some days this is going to hurt more some days you're going to feel like superman um and setbacks are okay in this process because they you know they don't happen to everyone but most people come in and they have some sort of something goes south and we just deal with that but over time it's an upward trend so the angle is always up we're always improving you can't get caught up in that day-to-day stuff and that's that's why i'm here to help them work through that obviously but just reminding them throughout the process like hey Let's look back now, and we do this once a week. Usually when people come in every visit, we reflect back on what what did you do this week that was new, that was better? Like, what's mm-hmm. the good news? What what were you better at? And sometimes it's as simple as, like, why well, I have less pain. Like, my pain intensity is lower. Mm-hmm. It's still there because what used to happen is I, you know, always use that as an indicator of, like, oh, well, how's it feeling? Well, it still hurts. It's like, well, that's a failure. It's not a failure. Mm-hmm. I just didn't ask the right questions. Mm-hmm. So my questions got a little more detailed. Mm. Well, did you notice that you had less pain with anything? Mm. Yeah, it was, you know, it went it was usually at an 8, now it's at like a 4. Mm. That's a that's an improvement. Or it used to hurt when I would do the bar over my head and I was able to do just the bar. It's like, okay, we're well, we're not back to doing 150 pounds over your head or whatever their goal is mm-hmm. to get to mm-hmm. but we were able to do something that three weeks ago was impossible for you mm-hmm. and just reminding them of the small goals and so we do like the big goal setting at the beginning but then throughout we set small goals mm-hmm. small attainable there we call them, i call them smart goals i'm sure you've heard of that oh yeah yeah. Oh, yeah so we set smart goals they're specific they're measurable they're attainable realistic and there's a timeline involved mm-hmm. and that's how i make my goals for people right. but we then we even break it down further to more attainable goals or like more smaller bites of the elephant that we're trying to eat right Mm -hmm. and so just reflecting each week on like yeah you know you're still hurting or maybe you're still not where you want to be but what are we doing that's better Mm -hmm. and when people start to reflect on that they always come up with something they're like you know what now that you mention it i was able to do blank or i did this or i slept through the night and my shoulder didn't hurt sometimes it's that simple um and just reminding them that that small changes lead to big changes. Mm. We're not going to get, and one thing I remind them of too, is this, you didn't get this way overnight. Mm. So it typically doesn't go away overnight. Mm. And I always make the joke, like if you would have came in and saw me earlier, it probably mm. would have went away faster. Right. But I'm like, reflect on how long this has been going on. And then is it going to get, like you've been doing this three to six months. Mm-hmm. Did you really think that next week it would be better? Mm. Like all the way better? No, mm-hmm. that's not realistic. So, um, I've gotten a little more, not aggressive, but you know, just, just upfront with people Mm -hmm. like, okay, well like stop, not stop being a baby, but stop being a baby a little bit. Like Mm -hmm. you're, you're still in pain. That's okay. You you didn't get this way overnight. So Mm -hmm. you've got to trust this process. Mm -hmm. And so I'm a little more, I guess just straightforward and honest with people. Mm -hmm. Not that I was lying to them, but I was afraid to say stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And now it's like, sometimes people need that, that little bit of tough love I guess for lack of better term but that little bit of uh, stern encouragement of like hey it's all right Mm. like we we still have time this is your first visit or this is your second visit we still have multiple visits left Mm. give it time right and it's like what and then that's where we talk about what did you notice that was better and almost every time someone has something that was better Mm. great let's build off that Mm. so that's been a a fun change and you know as we get more comfortable in practice it becomes right. a little easier and more comfortable to say things confidently to people like that because right. you know what you're talking about For sure and don't like i'm not just sitting here lying to you mm-hmm. like i'm i'm being real with you mm-hmm. and i think people that's another thing we talked about what sets my business apart mm-hmm. is the transparency that's mm-hmm. involved mm-hmm. and some people look at it as you know it could even not rude but it it could come across as it's Mm. not positive all the time right um sometimes it's just like hey prodding them in the right direction Mm. so um but i'm I'm comfortable and confident enough in my practice and in my clinical skills that i Mm. know when something's a problem like when we need to back off or when Mm. someone's just 
needing a little encouragement (laughs) to push through something. Um, So that's, that's been a a fun development and I don't feel like that ever stops over time. Like we, we, we constantly develop our practice and we're constantly learning and improving our, our processes. But um, I'm much more confident now than I was three years ago to kind of push people through mm-hmm. um, instead of just always expecting rehab to be a pain-free process because mm-hmm. it is simply not mm-hmm. that. And, you know, I've been, I've been to PT or, you know, know people have gone who if it causes pain, they just don't do it. Mm-hmm. But just like in anything, eventually we have to expose your body mm-hmm. to that, <laughs> that, uh, aggravating movement because it's like well if you have pain with squatting but we don't ever make you squat how are you ever going to expect to squat again Mm -hmm. so knowing too and that's that's where it comes down to clinical management Mm -hmm. like okay well i know that hurt a little bit but Mm -hmm. i know that that to get your threshold back to where it's supposed to be we eventually have to expose the body to that aggravating factor Mm -hmm. um and so that's that's always a fun conversation to have but it's just like you know people with the cold exposure and all that stuff it's kind of the same idea like mm. you may be able to start out with 30 seconds in the cold plunge mm. but you can build up to three minutes because you're building up a, a tolerance or right. some something similar to that right. it's the same thing in rehab this is going to be not always pain-free sometimes you're going to have to push through mm. a plateau or push through pain to get to where you want to go mm. and you know that's a that's a mental hurdle for a lot of people but it's mm. like this comes back to the controlled environment just allowing mm-hmm. like trust <laughs> source trust me bro but seriously mm-hmm. you got to right. trust me right. that i know what i'm doing right and then using that as a way to kind of guide the treatment process and, mm-hmm. and make it a little more personal for them mm-hmm. or a little more hand tailored for where they're at right. instead of you know cookie cutter hey here's an exercise sheet do this for the next six yeah. weeks yeah we're doing a lot of different things mm-hmm. but yeah. i have the time to dedicate to really make sure that we're getting them where they need to go and personalizing and customizing their plan around what they're going through that day Mm -hmm. to allow them to either back off or one day we're feeling good let's push it Mm -hmm. um so that's that's that was a lot but yeah i don't remember what your original question was what what are the biggest lessons oh yeah yeah wow we came very far from that (laughs) Um, that is yeah. right. You you said a lot of great things, and Thanks. <laughs> also you're welcome. And also with there are there are literally about ten parallels between um, your journey and mine that that maybe we can get into another time. But also so many parallels about um, the improvement in well fitness and. And physical therapy and people improving their mental health in counseling too and one quick thing about that because I know we're, we're coming up on the end of our time but one quick thing about that is this concept called emotional distress tolerance and it's very straightforward but it's how much emo- emotional distress can a person tolerate and it's interesting how much that comes up in CrossFit actually because it's the whole thing CrossFit talks about about not only physical tolerances but also psychological tolerances and an area where i know i've definitely grown as a mental health therapist is helping walk my clients through emotional distress when things come up in our sessions and that is something that's super important and also something that's so powerful to do and that relates also to growing in my own clinical skills like you were talking about growing in yours so that's just one of the many overlaps that you mentioned but so with us go ahead i was about to say our our i feel like our career paths or our jobs you know we we approach it a little differently Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day we have a common goal Mm -hmm. um and we we reach it through a lot of similar tactics probably i just throw exercise into mine a little bit Mm -hmm. and you just help people get back to exercise so we're both helping people get back to exercising and Mm -hmm. stuff i'm just doing it in a little different way right but there are a ton a ton of parallels i'd Mm -hmm. say i'd say we do a lot of similar things just like i said mine just involves making people go out there and squat and yours is just saying hey it's okay to squat Mm -hmm. i don't know um i was gonna say with emotional distress especially in crossfit i've Mm -hmm. seen 
and maybe this is what, something we could talk about next time, but I've just seen a lot of younger, mm. you've seen it on uh, the bigger ones like Mal O'Brien and, and some of these mm. other uh, Haley Adams who are the younger CrossFit athletes mm. who just, I don't know if it broke them or, mm. but, but they're taking time off for mental health. Well, mm. why? But there's something, maybe it's from emotional distress, maybe they didn't have the, the people surrounding them, someone like you to help them through that mm. stuff. And, you know, their, their whole personality is that sport and then they're losing that, mm. but they're taking time off. And that, that seems like it's becoming more common in the right. past few years mm-hmm. than it was before, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if you're noticing that as much, but that's, that's so, in, it's been interesting to me to see all of these people coming out and taking time off for mental health. And I'm like, mm-hmm. it's great that they're doing that, but what's happening? Mm-hmm. Like, well, why is a, that it's happening? It's a very good question. And I definitely don't want to speculate about what's going on with those athletes, but I am glad that the that mental health in general is getting more of a spotlight in sports and in CrossFit or fitness and in athletics in general because it is an integral part of being a human. Yes. <laughs> and it's often so overlooked. Especially in thinking like CrossFit in the younger population or mm-hmm. high school and college sports, it's just just the hard age. Mm-hmm. I mean, I look back at who I was at that age and I'm like, mm-hmm. I could definitely see something like that breaking me down mm-hmm. um, because it's like, you're still developing who you are. You're still developing right. really, you're still really still developing period, like mm-hmm. physiologically still developing and the mentally. Brain too. The brain is still developing. Mm-hmm. So right. that's such a tough age. And I feel like, you know, it's such, it's a pivotal age, but mm-hmm. it's like you, they, they struggle with that because it's like, and and maybe it was because CrossFit was their personality or all they knew was basketball or all they Mm -hmm. knew was gymnastics or whatever their thing is. Uh, And then they lose that too. So like, I don't know. It's just, Mm -hmm. I've seen that coming up a lot more and I'm glad it's, it's getting a lot of attention because Mm -hmm. I think it's, there's a lot of kids who struggle with that same stuff because they're, you know, maybe their parents made them play the same sport their whole life and they're just burnt out or maybe it's just because maybe they just don't want to do it anymore. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I've, I've been really interested to and curious about what is happening. Mm. Why is that happening? And mm. I don't know if there's an answer, but, and maybe it's different for each person, but that's a, that's been a topic I've been kind of interested in, in looking into of like knowing that there's some athletes that are that age that I work with and not all CrossFit, some right. of them are, but right. in other sports too. And how can I be, be a, a resource or an encouragement to them during those times mm. Yeah. that allows them to either push through or maybe it is time to hang it up right. and, and how to have that conversation with their parents and how mm-hmm. to, you know, approach the topic with their coaches and stuff. Cause it's mm-hmm. hard cause they're, you know, I feel like it'd be maybe a little embarrassing and also nerve wracking to talk to an adult about, Hey, I don't want to do this anymore. Hey, this is really hard. I'm, I'm having a hard time right now. I'm struggling. Right. Right. And instead of just pushing through that, just to have someone to, to share that with. Right. So I'm glad it's becoming more common to talk about these things. Cause when I was in high school, it wasn't common. Mm-hmm. You just kind of sucked it up. And I know that was the, the generation before me as well. Right. Just kind of like suck it up and get to work. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why a lot of people are broken. Mm-hmm. So personal well, opinions. Well, speaking but, of talking about things, thank you for coming on the podcast. Today. Glad to do it. I greatly appreciate your time and being willing to come on. Yeah. Let's do it again sometime. It's fun. Where can people, I definitely want to, Yeah. where can people find you on social media? So social media, um, I'm Instagram is at volunteer underscore PTP. Um, that's where we post most of our stuff. It's a good free resource. Mm-hmm. Um, we post, you know, mobility videos, strength videos. Um, my new PT will, uh, will start a, a round of like, you know, pelvic floor and, and women's health stuff to get a little bit more information about that out. Cause that's a really big need that, that is becoming a little more talked about, mm-hmm. uh, thankfully, but, um, we're trying to kind of get those things out there for women or men. Cause men have pelvic floors sure. too, who might be struggling with that. So that you can find most of that on Instagram. Um, our website is volunteer dash PTP.com. Um, there's some, there's some good information on there, but like I said, the helpful free resources are mostly on Instagram 
um, or there's a YouTube channel. It's also at volunteer underscore PTP. If you search that on YouTube, uh, that'll come up. And we've got some mobility and strengthening videos on there as well. Hopefully going to add to that over the next few weeks and months to just provide free resources to people who mm-hmm. may not be able to see us in clinic or, or who are just struggling with something who may just need a little bit of help. Um, so that's where we're at. And yeah, give us a follow. All right. Well, Dr. Blake, thanks again for coming on today. Pleasure was all mine. Hey everyone, hope you enjoyed the episode. You can follow along with Counseling and Functional Fitness on Facebook and Instagram. You can contact me by emailing counselingandfunctionalfitness at gmail.com or by messaging Counseling and Functional Fitness on Facebook and Instagram. See you next time.